So, uh, award-winning playwright Oma Cafferty joins me in a break from technical rehearsals for his latest work, Death of a Comedian, a co-production between the Holy Trinity that are the Lyric Theatre, Soho Theatre and the Abbey Theatre. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey Oma, how are you today? I'm grand. You doing okay? Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Death of a Comedian is your second play here at the Abbey Theatre. Uh, the multi-award-winning Quietly was with us in 2012 and 14. Um, this play is an altogether different beast uh, to Quietly. You're delving into the world of uh, stand-up comedy, that genre. Uh, comedy is a serious business. Tell me, where did the idea come from uh, for this play? Um, well, I've always been fascinated by the notion of stand-up. Um, I suppose it has to do with the idea of watching somebody do that and think whether what they're saying is important or whether the amount of laughter they get's important. Um, and just the, the notion of it as well that it it's even more so I think that uh, than when people are on stage live in a play, it's that idea of immediate gratification. You know, like you 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 become aware immediately whether something works or not. And then the more you watch comedy, the more you realise that the people who are performing it are thinking on their feet a bit and working out what to do until they get it right. And, they're, and then they're repeating it, which is a lot like what actors do when they're in rehearsals and they rehearse until they get it right, until they get it right, and they get up on stage and then change it up more and then they lock into it. So that aspect of it was um, well, just interesting to me, that, uh, that idea, but I mean, it isn't... I wouldn't want to say that, that, that what was fundamental to this was the notion of comedy. It wasn't really. It was more to do with the idea of... It's the same thing with your actor. If you're a comedian, in order for something to work, you have to have a certain honesty about you, which is connected to the art of it. If you want to become more successful, do you have to lose a bit of that honesty or a bit of that art? And that's that's the journey that I'm more interested in, that sort of uh, notion of mixing the commercial and the artistic. When you speak of honesty, um in the play, they talk. The comedian talks about hiding himself, or hiding and revealing himself. Is is it, it's very blunt to ask? Is this autobiographical? But is it, as a writer, do you? Uh, how much of yourself do you reveal in in your writing of yourself? Uh, I suppose the the honest answer to that is all or nothing. At the same time, it's not. Uh, I don't write things that are, in that sense, autobiographical. I mean, I have, there are aspects of certain plays where I suppose I've used myself in them, but in the main, no, I don't do that. But at the same time, you're always, I mean, any artist is doing the same thing. You're sort of burning your arse to the world mm. all the time. Now, not in a... You know, I wouldn't... Well, if I talk about a relationship between a man and a woman, I'm not talking about a relationship between 
myself and my wife and I'm talking about relationships as I see them without a whole range of things but it is how you see them mm. you know to a certain degree so you are you're revealing your well, opinion you, yes you, you, I suppose that the easiest way to put it is you are saying what you think no you're doing that in a different form it isn't as straightforward actually as it may be with a comedian are you more careful now? Now, well, I suppose in, in recent years, your name is much more out there now, especially following the success of Quietly. Do you have to be careful about your opinions? I, I know this is linking in with comedian as well, but do you have to be careful about your opinions now, now that you're m much more in the limelight? No. Well, I mean, I think if you start doing that, you would be following maybe the story of the comedian in the play um, no you have to say what you think I think you probably have to be which I haven't ever really thought about before but you might have to be a bit more aware of throwaway comments that mean nothing to you and can be picked up by somebody else but if you're talking about my real opinions on things no I wouldn't dream of hiding those whether, whether nobody knew me or everybody knew me, I mean, can't. what's yeah. the point of having them? Yeah. Um, to go back, I suppose, where it all began, why did you start writing? Where, where did the impulse come from? Why did I start in plays? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. The, the, one, the answer to that is a very practical one, and that my wife suggested that issue that was... Um, I had started writing short stories, I think, out of boredom. And uh, they were rubbish, but they were full of dialogue. And Peggy said to me, why don't you write a play? And I think maybe what kicked that notion off was that um, at the time, her father, and this is the only time ever, I think he was uh, on stage, uh, I think he was about 70 then, was in an amateur production of a, a, a sort of a community play. He was playing the priest in it. So maybe the notion of theatre was floating about in the air. And I started writing the play and gave it to him to give to the writer of the play. It was a guy called Martin Lynch, playwright called Martin Lynch from Belfast. And Martin read it and we ended up putting that play on. Um, so, um, I mean, I didn't ever think I was going to end up a playwright, but I don't mean that. I've been interviewed a few times, and because I say that, I'll then describe as an accidental playwright, which I hate, and genuinely hate. It isn't... Once I've made up my mind to do it, there's nothing accidental about it at all. It might be to do with circumstances at the time, which I didn't realise, but that, 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 you know... That sounds as if I had some type of talent that I didn't realise and somebody spotted it and I was picked out. It wasn't like that at all. The, why I kept on doing it, I think, was at the start somebody told me I was good and that helped. And it was a mixture of 
sort of talents that my parents had that I didn't necessarily have in their purest form, but came out whenever I was writing. Um, my mum was a very, very good singer. Uh, I can't sing a note, I can't play an instrument, but whenever I'm writing there seems to be a musicality to it, in my head anyway. There's a beat or something. Yeah. Um, and my dad was like a barroom sort of philosopher type storyteller who was inventive with language and that as well. Those two things merged. It's funny that you mentioned the musicality because I was going to ask you a question about whether when you write do you listen to music or you know how that happens because I don't know what struck me about your writing that had some sort of a soundtrack to it. Um, is there any music apart from... Do I listen to music? No. no. No, there's a. Um, I speak it out whenever I'm, uh, I'm writing it, and there has to be a flow to it, there has to be a beat. Mm. Uh, I don't. That's the only way I can describe it, actually. I mean, I don't. Uh, which makes it. I don't want to say that the whole thing is very Belfast or anything, it isn't, but I, I imagine that that's the beat of it. The, the, more than it's a Belfast beat, it strikes me that it's a sort of an urban type of a beat to it. Um, I read somewhere that what you just said there, that you're interested in creating, well, what I read was that you're interested in creating a new Belfast theatrical speak. So what I wanted to ask you was, first of all, when we talk of titles, do you consider yourself a Northern Ireland, a Northern Irish playwright, an Irish playwright, a writer, playwright. Like what, what job title do you give yourself? Well, the two things are, um, I, I said about the, the Northern Ireland speak when I was first starting out, and I realised that that was, I realised that actually that was very arrogant on my behalf. It's as, it's as if one didn't exist before I arrived, and it certainly did, and I wasn't going to make it any better. Um, Again, I think what I was talking about there, looking back on it, was the idea of, of um, arriving at some type of language that sounds both real and poetic at the same time. Now, not, not poetic in the sense that poets write poems. Again, back to the beat of something, to the flow of it. Um, as uh, I don't like the notion that you ascribe a nationality to your job, you wouldn't say you're an Irish accountant. Mm, I know, but so why do I'm we not do an that Irish playwright, I'm just a playwright. Is it so? It's an like I know. We well, I don't think do that, that I do describe. I mean, I'm not. Oh no, um, it's definitely others. I'm not describing Belfast. I wouldn't know if I do describe Belfast. I think even people suggesting that is a nonsense. I think things like that are they're there to characterise things, they're there to say that this is this type of thing, but I mean I never think about it like that. I don't Belfast is a place of a whole quarter of a million or three hundred thousand people. How the hell am I going to describe it? I don't you know maybe having the beat of a language is far different from trying to describe a whole city. I've never tried to do that. Mm -hmm. When, 
when you think of a writer, I always think that they, they need to remain true to a voice, whether it's a voice inside their head or, or their one true voice. Would your true voice, though, have a Belfast accent? No. But it does have a beat. What's a Belfast beat? Well, as I say, I think it's an urban thing. I, 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 um, I think that there's a... There's a certain tempo to it. It's quite quick. Um, I think in stay... I, I mean, it, it can move quickly from being... It, it can move quickly from line to line, from emotion to emotion. So there is a um, maybe a staccato type feel to it. I don't know that's the way to describe it, but yeah. Okay, tempo. Yeah. Um, what what drives you then? What what pushes you to put pen to paper? Or put, do, do, do you actually write pen to paper, by the way? Or is I it, do. Is it? I do. Yeah. Uh, well, at the start of the year, I write the first draft longhand, and then when I put it on the laptop, that's the sort of second draft. Okay. Um, See, that's a very, right, I don't mean to be shitty about this, but that's a very difficult question to answer because there is no, the more often I do this, sometimes the drive to do it becomes less and less. And then there are other times when I think I should, I should be writing another play. There are times, mainly actually when plays are on, I sort of think I should stop or something, not that or I get lost in what I'm doing, so there isn't. I think it's the same. I'm at pains to sort of stress this all the time if I'm talking to people and students and things. I, I don't see this as being any different from any other job, and I've been doing this now for 25 years, so sometimes I'm more enthusiastic about it than I am others. It isn't all the time that I think that I must be doing this because I have something very important to say and that's what drives me on. Mm -hmm. It isn't. Um, I was watching football the other night and one of the commentators was talking about um, a penalty decision and it was to do with handball. And the commentator said, a guy's hands were, uh, his arms actually were in an unnatural position. And I immediately thought, shit, that's a good title for something. You know, down unnatural positions. And I have no idea what that means, whether that will ever see the light of day, but it struck me. So that to me was an inspiration to do something. Mm. So it made, me, it made me start thinking, I wonder should I be writing a play about sex, unnatural positions, is that about relationships? I don't know what the hell it's about, right? Yeah. It's that. But I mean, how do you... Uh, how do you explain that? That isn't a, an ongoing thing. I mean, the, the easy answer to that, the glib answer is money. Okay. Because I'm a playwright and I need to earn money and I'm a job in playwright. Mm. So I, once I finish one, I have to do the next one. Do you think there's a hypocritical standard there then? That those of us in nine to five uh, jobs are, you know, there's, 
there's no pressure on a plumber to be a great plumber. So there's, a exactly. lot, there's a big pressure it, well, on a, yeah, yes. a writer to be I a great I don't know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's hypocritical, but I don't... I do... I do think that we want... Right, now, rightly or wrongly, right, there's no judgement about this. It could be the same as politicians, it could be the same as all other groups of people. I, it does feel like we want our artists to be different than ourselves. And therefore, the normality of what somebody does doesn't seem to be enough. So you need to talk about the notion of inspiration. Whereas inspiration, see, like, inspiration sounds as if you say, well, I want to fucking change everything. That's yeah. my inspiration, I want to change the world. And you go, well, that's easily, that's easily recognised. My, I don't, I don't have any inspiration. I, that's not. I, I don't want to change the world. If I wanted to change the world, I would do something else other than this. Um, do you not think some of your writing changes the way people think, though? Uh, I can't think like that. That's not why. I, I think that all. I think if you think like that, you're stupid. I think if you think like that, when that doesn't happen. You're fucked in the sense that how would you go on to the next thing? What I think I'm doing all the time is telling different types of love stories. Some of them are stranger than others, but they're all different types of love stories. So that's in my head, that's what I'm doing. Not in a John Lennon yeah. lie in my bed naked with wrapped in a fur coat way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> images, images in my head. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know what I mean. So that's what I think I'm doing, and that that is enough for me. Um, as well, I mean, on the rare occasions that I'm asked to talk to students and things, again, your pain is to say, really, what I do most of the time is mess about with words. I sit in a room on my own, and that that as well seems to be enough. So you, you think you do it for yourself? I think you have to. I think if I think if you step outside that, I've no idea what you 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 know. If you step outside that, you're some type of prophet complex about you, mm -hmm. that you have something important to tell the world. You can tell, just tell the world what you think you should tell them. If the world thinks it's important, fine. If they don't, fine. Um, you spoke about it earlier, about someone saying your work was good. Um, who, who do you, who do you, whose opinion do you listen to? Uh, yeah, whose opinion do you listen to? Um, there's about three or four people, all who show me nameless, except my wife. Peggy's the first person to read things, and I always listen to what she says. Not that I always take that on board, but I always listen. Um, but there, there are about three or four people that I would give praise to. I mean, I see, I, I, now, I'm aware that this could be different for different writers, but I wouldn't want to expand it much more than that. I, uh, 
I think it can sort of get into quite an, an unhealthy situation if you have too many people. Describing back to you what they think you've done. You know, um, Are you tough on yourself? Uh, right, well, so I would. If I didn't think it worked, I would throw a, an entire play in the bin. I mean, it wouldn't. It would, we see, if it, that's what, in a way, I think that's what I. I maybe that's what I'm drawn to a group of people that are given a play and they get into a room. But the process of this is that we can make this endlessly better if we keep working at it. You can't. It is just what it is. And you get to a point where you go, well, that's it. We're now doing the play. So come hell or high water, the audience is going to think about it, what they want to think about it. But us adding more lights or us glitz or whatever it may be, or acting harder, which you couldn't do anyway, but isn't going to work. And there's that notion to it, I think, which is sort of a healthy way to look upon it. What can, to end off, what can audiences expect from Death of a Comedian coming to the peak? Brilliance. Um, genius. Oh, Jesus, what can they expect? Um, well, okay, um, it's a bit different in structure than, the, uh, than what somebody who goes to the theatre might normally see. Uh, it's a play about comedy. It isn't necessarily comedy itself, it's more tragedy actually than a comedy. Um, we'll see excellent performances and a great production is what we'll see. Um, whether they see any good writing or not, I don't know, they'll have to work it out for themselves. Um, it, uh, I would like to think, going back to what we were earlier, t talking about earlier, I would like to think there's a certain honesty to it. But there's a directness to it. it is, it's about what it's about. And I sort of like that in it. A bluntness, a straightforwardness. Yeah, I mean, over the last, quietly part of this as well, and so uh, I had a play on in Edinburgh there at the festival on Faithful. And the play before that as well, The Absence of Women. The, 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 those four players are all quite short-ish players in about an hour and 20 minutes or something, but they're sort of direct in that you get what it says on the tin. And that's what I was trying to do. I didn't really want to expand them out. I wanted to look at that specific thing. Now, whether that works or not, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it feels that it does. Sometimes it feels a bit difficult that audiences are expecting, especially when you involve other characters. You're expecting that to be spotted. So you have to write the dialogue in a very sparse way, but at the same time, it tell you a lot. Well, it's funny because, especially after Quietly, I mean, it does what it says on the tin, but you end up bringing the tin home with you and you open it up. And well, that's a good thing. You. Thank you yeah, for saying that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, um, people have said that about this play as well, that it, you sort of leave the theatre thinking. But again, you see, I, Audiences can only say that. Mm. I, 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 I don't know of any artist that would be worth their salt be saying that they wanted audience, like whether they're sculptors or painters or musicians or anything, 
what are, you know, I want to make people think. I mean, people think all the time anyway, there's no need for us to. You can't, you can't control that experience no, as much exactly. as you try. Exactly. So it's, it's all to play for. Thanks very much, John. That's all, my pleasure.